Coming up on the 100th episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla Motors unofficial podcast, California proposes a significant new rebate for electric vehicles. A Model 3 release candidate shows up in a very unexpected place. Model 3's release date appears to be imminent and more. Welcome to episode 100 of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla Motors unofficial podcast for 4th of July weekend for the United States. It's uh, July 2nd, 2017. I'm Ryan McCaffrey. Thank you all so much for joining me. First of all, I cannot believe that it's already been 100 episodes. I am proud to say that I've only missed one week, one week that entire time, and it was by design. It was a planned week off over the end-of-year holidays, the first year I started doing the show, so the in holiday 2015. So uh, very proud of the consistency there. Uh, I know people appreciate that, and I know I do, like when I'm listening to something, when there's something I enjoy. So I just want to say thank you all so much for your continued support, whether it's been on Patreon, uh, on the Ride the Lightning hotline with your calls, your emails, your tweets etc. I just cannot thank you all enough. Uh, I When I started this two, well, actually less than two years ago, just slightly under two years ago, I really was not, uh, you know, I had some goals in mind, put it that way, as far as people, you know, number of listeners, and and it's, I've vastly exceeded it, that's, to, to put it mildly. So, I, I just thank you all so much for your support, and for, again, you know, I, I say this a lot, but I do mean it, for trusting me with, you know, upwards of about an hour per week or so. Uh, might not be quite that much this week because it's, <laughs> it's a little bit of a slow week. It's a, I was thinking about that this week. I was like, oh, it's, it's kind of a shame that the hundredth, for the 100th episode, it's kind of a slow, it's the slowest news week it's been in a little while. But hey, what can you do, right? You take the busy weeks and you take the not so busy weeks and you just be efficient with time and uh, disseminate the information and, and try to have a good show. So uh, again, thank you all so much. Really appreciate your support over these uh, not quite two years and just a hundred episodes. Whether you've been with me for one episode or a hundred of it, a hundred of them, I sincerely appreciate it. Uh, I want to tell you a story as well, but I'm going to save it for the end of the show because I know people tune in for Tesla news. I can save the uh, the anecdotes for the end. Uh, in this case, it's a good anecdote, and I'll just tease you with this. It's, it involves there currently being a bright red Tesla Roadster in my garage that I have, uh, that's, that's been the way I've been able to celebrate episode 100. So I'm going to tell you about that uh, after the Ride the Lightning hotline later on. But first, let me get to the week's Tesla news. It is sort of a, a mild potpourri of, uh, of stuff going on this week. I want to start in California, and I know, you know, I, I won't drag this on too, for too long because I know that a lot of you are not in California, but uh, I also know from the beautiful thing known as statistics and analytics that California, I have more listeners from California than from any other place. So uh, let's talk about California. This story comes via Bloomberg. California is proposing a fairly substantial revamp of its state uh, rebate program for electric vehicles. 
it, uh, the, the big change being for consumers, for us, the rebate would occur right at the point of sale. No need to file anything, no need to wait. So that is some big news. And again, this is uh, via Bloomberg. They say the bill, which State Assembly member Phil Ting promoted at an event earlier this week here in San Francisco, would look to replace the existing state program and eliminate the need for buyers to file tax rebates with the state. The income-based rebates would be worth up to $10,000 and also help assuage concerns that tax dollars are helping wealthy buyers afford luxury cars like the Tesla Model S, which can sell for more than $100,000. Dan Lashoff, the chief operating officer of NextGen Climate, who uh, they are a co-sponsor of the bill, he said, quote, We need EVs everywhere and they need to be affordable for everyone. The EV market is where solar was a decade ago, and this could jolt EVs into the mainstream. Uh, the Bloomberg continues noting, the bill is modeled on the state's highly successful California solar initiative, which resulted in a dramatic pickup in rooftop solar installations on homes and commercial buildings across the state. The legislation, which passed a vote on the assembly floor earlier this month, faces votes in two state Senate committees next week, meaning this week. If passed, the program would begin in January, be administered by uh, the California Air Resources Board, and run for 12 years, according to a statement on the proposal distributed at the event. Uh, so this is very big potential news for California Model 3 buyers, which happens to include me, as, you know, because many, many of us are not going to get our cars this year. Now, a decent number of you might if Tesla is able to hit their production goals. And again, we're, I, I've said it, I can't even remember how many times at this point, but you know, I've brought it up a lot over the, over the previous weeks and months where every time we get an update on Model 3, it's the, everything is on time. And so every time that happens and it's closer and closer to production, it's, you know, we're closer and closer to, to this whole thing actually happening on schedule. And here we are on the, at the beginning of July, on July's doorstep, and everything as we know, as we know it, appears to still be on schedule. Now, of course, as the production line spins up and these cars start getting built, anything could and may go wrong. Elon has warned us of that. But for now, everything is on schedule. We're now past the... Uh, admittedly, quote-unquote, unrealistic or impossible July 1st deadline for parts suppliers that Elon mentioned way back. I think, what, last, last sometime last year, maybe even? So, uh, we're, we're at, we are at, we're there. Like, we're, it's happening. It's about, or it's about to happen. But anyway, back to this rebate, uh, you know, there will be a number of you, particularly, uh, if you if you got a March 31st reservation and you happen to have a Tesla already, no matter whether you've purchased it whether you purchased it before your reservation or you've purchased one since, and you still intend to to get your Model 3. So some of you may get your Model 3 in California this year, and if you do, you're going to be eligible for the existing program, which is a a not insignificant rebate, $2,500, but it is a rebate you'll file for and get later. For the rest of us, uh, either if you have your reservation in later, or if you're like me and you're waiting for either all-wheel driver performance, which Elon has already told us won't be hitting until 2018, 
that means we're going to be affected by this legislation if it happens to pass. Now, I glanced at the bill looking for the specific dollar amounts because if you if you heard me when you heard me reading the story, they mentioned that it's income based. So, uh, but there were no details in the the draft of the bill as is about what the specifics are there. So it's like if you make X amount of household income, you're going to get this much rebate because it did say it said up to 10 grand which that's that's huge that's quite a difference that's four times the amount now but uh, i suppose i suspect that 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 scale also will probably will scale down to less than $2500 the way the program is now if you have a very very sizable household income so couldn't find anything in the bill on that so i'm going to be keeping an eye on it but uh it's, this could end up being a significant boon to a lot of us with Model 3 reservations here in California. So I will be keeping an eye on this story. And, and just to put it in a little bit of context, I mean, for those of you that aren't in California, this still could end up having an impact on you anyway, because if this works in California and, and EV adoption uh, picks up as a result, which is what the state's goal is, then you might see other states adopt it or a variation of it. So I will keep an eye on this. In not as good Tesla news this week, the company suffered a setback in Virginia, one of the, I guess, let me call, just call them battleground states to, to uh, I don't really mean to use a political term, but I just as a, I, I mean it more in the literal battle. I, you know, I've been using the analogy of state-by-state state battles being the, the things that Tesla needs to win in order to eventually emerge victorious in the war that is raging for the right for Tesla to sell direct-to-consumer nationwide. Now, uh, what happened this week was a Virginia judge is allowing the Virginia Auto Dealers Association lawsuit against Tesla to proceed. Electrek notes that Tesla had argued that the VADA was not a, quote, aggrieved party, but a judge in Virginia ruled earlier last week that they are and that they thus have standing to bring the lawsuit against Tesla. This ruling does not stop Tesla from opening the store this summer as planned, but may force them to shut down after opening if the lawsuit is successful. So uh, all all I can really add here, again, is I, I will be keeping an eye on it, and I just... I, I remain confident that the courts are going to see this in the consumer's favor and rule in favor of Tesla. Uh, it Maybe not in this case, but eventually, because state by state, I mentioned earlier the whole battle analogy I've been using, battle by battle, we're getting there. Tesla's getting there. It, it, it does astound me how crazy hard Tesla has had to fight just to allow people to buy a car in their store without having to have a, a middleman who sets the price. I mean, it's, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous to me, but the battles are being won little by little, and that is, that is adding up to, a, to an overall victory here. So keep an eye on this one. In Model 3 news this week, a silver release candidate with the aero wheels was spotted outside of California. Now, you might be thinking, Ryan, why are you telling me about this? You just mentioned a week or two ago about the ones in Illinois and Utah and Ohio. 
this car was not spotted in any of those states or in any other states in the United States of America. This car showed up in New Zealand, of all places. The question is, but why? <laughs> why New Zealand? The popular theories out there are that Tesla is sending this car to either do uh, promotional media in the form of going down there to shoot foot, uh, photographs and videos using the splendid New Zealand scenery that we've all seen on display in, among other things, the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Uh, the other popular theory being that Tesla could have shipped the car down there to do winter testing because it is, of course, winter in the Southern Hemisphere. So I will say, if I have any New Zealand listeners, if you happen to live there or you happen to be vacationing there, head for the most scenic spots you can find and, uh, and you might just spot a Model 3. Speaking of the Model 3, we might get a date of the launch of when that delivery event and thus the official launch of the car is gonna happen. It might have even happened by the time you hear this. Elon Musk took to Twitter to respond to a question on that very topic this week. The question was, or the tweet was, please have mercy, I don't care if you say July 31st, but the speculation on Model 3 final release date has to stop. Elon chose to reply to this tweet saying, news on Sunday, meaning today, if you happen to be listening to this on the day the show was published, or I suppose for you uh, Patreon early access folks, it might be tomorrow, but in any case, Sunday, meaning now. Uh, I, I saw this and just kind of had to bang my head on the keyboard for just a minute because, you know, this, this could end up being such a big announcement and this podcast publishes on Sundays, but I, I couldn't, I can't hold the show up. Uh, that's, you know, I'm very, I take a lot of, uh, I think it's very important for the show to come out at the same time on the same day every week. So I, uh, I, I'm putting it out without the information. And so it, it, sadly, it looks like I'll have just missed this. But, uh, and, and here's the other thing is we've seen Elon do stuff like this before where he said, oh, I'm going to do this on, on this day. Like I remember the, the model, the model, the master plan part due. He had said, oh, I'll look for that this weekend. And then that weekend came and went and nothing happened because he was busy with something else. So uh, certainly didn't want to hold the show up for something that could end up being pushed back. In any case, I do think that it's going to be nothing more than the date of the delivery event. And not to, not to trivialize it, but I've already seen some threads of people saying, oh, what, what other news is he going to drop? What's the... It's like, no, no, just we got to temper our expectations here. The tweet he replied to was in reference to the car's release date, you know, that, that July reveal event, that delivery event. And so I think that's exactly what we're going to get. Remember, Twitter's only 140 characters. So there's only so much Elon will be able to say on Twitter. I think it will be uh, in regards to what day in July that delivery event is going to occur. I intend to be there. I believe uh, I, I, have, I will be able to gain access to the event. So... Uh, I look very, very forward to reporting from there. Uh, my expectation of the event is that they will have at least one 
that you can sit in and photograph and, and touch. Uh, that's how it went with the Model X delivery event back in September of 2015. It was Elon's car that was accessible. Of course, there was a huge mob around it the entire time. I, I did finally, after waiting a little bit, get to get to sit in it for 30 seconds and, and take a few pictures, but uh, it will... But I, I suspect, I, my hope, I guess, my expectation is that there'll be at least one that's, that's not roped off, that's accessible. But my hope is that they're going to have one in every color and every configuration, that they'll have five, six, seven, eight cars on display that attendees can look at, can photograph, can touch, can sit in, can play around with, not drive, but at least, you know, poke around the screen, the interface. So that is that is my hope for the Model 3 delivery event. Uh, we've already been trained to expect late July, so I do still think it's probably going to be sometime in that last week of July. Could it be July 31st, a Monday? It may very well be, but, um, you know, maybe like a Thursday the 27th could be could be a likely scenario. Who knows? We should find out, again, by the time you read this, uh, hear this, rather. So uh, once it happens, like I said, I will be making arrangements to go, and, and that's going to be a fun episode. That's Because probably, just a qu- quick aside here, I think the episode of this, uh, out of 100 episodes, the one I'm most proud of is episode 35, which is the one I did right after the Model 3 reveal event. It was like almost two hours long. It had man-on-the-street interviews from when I camped out overnight to get my reservation. It had audio from the event. It had uh, I had my Doug Field uh, audio from when I was asking him questions during the test, the, my test ride. So I just thought that that episode had so much interesting stuff in it. As far as, you know, I did my best to bring you to the event through the podcast that I hope I can pull off something similar for the Model 3 delivery event. Of course, gosh, that episode took me, took, that took like, God, eight, I think that episode took like eight hours just to, just to like build once it, once all the stuff was recorded. But boy, it wasn't worth it. I'm real proud of that one. Anyway, uh, so Model 3 deliveries coming up soon. Next this week. Tesla should be releasing their Q2 delivery numbers probably right after I record, (laughs) just like the Elon tweet, uh, because Tesla usually will send out uh, uh, an email to everybody on their media list, a statement saying how many deliveries that they had in a quarter. Uh, And of course, I'm recording on Friday evening, uh, June 30th. And then the show goes up first thing Friday, Sunday morning on July 2nd. It wouldn't surprise me at all if between then, between those two times, that Tesla sends out that delivery number. Now, I guess all I'll add, uh, I don't want to spend too much time on this just because the my speculation may be totally pointless if those numbers are out by the time you end up hearing this podcast. But what I just remember that we saw a lot of levers, a lot of sort of demand levers pulled this quarter, including the, remember that mid-quarter refresh of the referral program that added the the whole, uh, you know, you can, you get the $1,000 off and unlimited supercharging uh, each, you know, each 
person with a code could give five ref, uh, people that use their code a uh, the unlimited supercharging for life that that whole that gift. So uh, my expectation is with that sort of with that stuff in mind, I think Model X deliveries are going to continue to go up. But judging from Tesla's actions this past quarter, along with Remember, the very deliberate anti-selling campaign that's been going on with the Model 3, I, I am very much expecting Model S deliveries to be flat at best quarter over quarter, meaning Q1 to Q2, uh, and maybe even down a bit. I hope I'm wrong. I would be delighted to be wrong on that. Hopefully it'll be all good news. We shall see uh, probably in time for next week's episode. A side note before I move on to the Ride the Lightning hotline this week, Tesla uh, notes via Electrek, they, Tesla pushed out the long-awaited Linux kernel update, which uh, is basically a behind-the-scenes thing right now, but it lays the groundwork for more user-facing improvements. Uh, Electrek noting, sources told Electrek that the latest 8.1 update to the car's firmware uh, upgraded the Linux kernel from version 2.6.36 to version 4.4.35. Interestingly, the upgrade was only pushed to the center information display, not the instrument cluster. So, I mean, but that's that's where it's needed is on the that's where it's needed most at least is on the center screen. I do hope that once they push out the web browser update that's uh that needed this kernel update first. Man, I hope the web browser in the car becomes desirable to use because as I've mentioned, and I don't want to belabor the point, but ask any Model S owner or anybody that's spent time in a Model or S or X, uh, and that that web browser is is not useful. It is just way too slow. So uh, the nice thing is if Tesla does improve it to the point where it's it's, uh, something you'd actually want to use, that us future Model 3 owners will benefit from that when we get our cars too. So uh, you S and X owners will have suffered for months and years with a useless browser. Uh, you'll, you'll, have, you'll have suffered for, uh, for the rest of our behalves, on the behalf of the rest of us for that one. So uh, we'll be keeping an eye out. As soon as that web browser update does go live, I'm going to definitely be soliciting your opinions in the Ride the Lightning hotline. Those of you who are Model S or Model X owners, I'll, I'll want to hear your, your thoughts on that browser upgrade. All right, that does it for the news this week. I'm going to come right back. I've got uh, one, two, three, four, five fantastic calls in the Ride the Lightning hotline from you guys right after this, uh, the, final, uh, the final part of the ad series from uh, from my friend Joe Edgel and Joe was kind enough to send in a special ad this week. So uh, here's here's 30 seconds from Joe, and then be right back with the Ride the Lightning Hotline. Q 
congratulations, Ryan, on your 100th episode of Ride the Lightning. It's an incredible achievement. This is Joe Edgel from Emotion.Rentals, and we have some exciting news for the Ride the Lightning community. We're adding a Tesla Roadster in honor of your 100th episode. So next time they're in the Washington, D.C. or Baltimore areas, they can rent a Model S, X, or now a Tesla Roadster. Check us out at emotion.rentals. That's E-M-O-T-I-O-N dot rentals. Joe, thank you so much for that, uh, that well wish on episode 100. I appreciate you uh, supporting the show over, these la- over the last quarter. Thank you so much for that. Uh, and now we move to the Ride the Lightning hotline, where, of course, if you've got a question, comment, discussion topic for the podcast, I highly encourage you to call in anytime on the toll-free number. All you got to do is leave a message. That number is 1-888-989-8752. That's 1-888-989-TSLA. You can also record a question on your smartphone and just email me the file. The email address is teslapodcast at gmail.com. But if you're using the hotline, I remind you, that if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. First call this week, Trevor from Ohio reacts to news of the possible Shanghai factory. So Trevor, you are on the air. Hi, Ryan. This is Trevor from Ohio. Um, I was just listening to episode 99, and we were talking a bit about the potential Gigafactory, or I'm sorry, new um, Model 3 factory, I believe it is, in China, and the potential news of it being in Shanghai. So I wanted to call in with just some interesting facts and tidbits that I have that might interest you and other listeners. I was actually just in Shanghai and Beijing at the end of May, and I noticed an incredible number of Teslas. I'm from Cincinnati, and we don't see too many Teslas around this area, and so I was blown away by seeing at least one Tesla every day. The mall next to our hotel in Beijing had a Model Y in the gallery with the Falcon doors that was gaining a lot of attention. Actually, what made me call in was your comment on China being one of the biggest polluters. So I'm not sure if you're aware, but China has a policy in some of the bigger cities that the um, the way that they look to reduce both congestion and pollution from vehicles is by mandating each license plate ending a specific number can't drive on two days out of the week. So, for example, license plate ending in one can't drive on Mondays or Thursdays. However, when I was there, I was inquiring with a friend there, and they had said, if you have an electric vehicle, including a Tesla, you're exempted from this rule. So it's really a big perk for the Chinese consumers who can afford a Tesla to buy one because they can drive every day of the week and aren't mandated to either the um, fee associated with breaking that rule or limiting how many days of the week they can drive. So just wanted to let you know um, kind of what on the ground looks like in Beijing and Shanghai. Huge fan of the podcast. Keep up the great work. Thanks. Wow. I, I learned something new from that call. Thank you, Trevor. So pollution is so bad there. I mean, you know, I, everybody's heard about the pollution problems in China, but really there, there are days that people aren't allowed to drive based on, and they, I guess, you know, they're doing it basically hitting everybody randomly based on 
their license plate. That's crazy. So I tell you, it's great to hear that electric vehicles are exempt from that because they certainly should be. They're not, they're not pumping out any emissions. And it's just further incentive on the Chinese government's part to go ahead and make a deal with Tesla and get Tesla making cars in the country. I mean, it's a win-win. It's a win for the Chinese government and the, the, the Chinese environmental quality. And it's a win, certainly a win for Tesla to be, to be uh, in that market and, and have a factory right there and be able to pump cars out just for the Chinese market and avoid any tariffs or, or taxes or, or anything like that from, from importing the cars. Not to mention the costs, the, the, the shipping costs that Tesla would have to incur to import cars into China, which they're obviously doing now. So, Trevor, thank you so much. For that information, it is. Uh, I always love it when I learn something new. That's that's one reason I love the Ride the Lightning Hotline part of the show is because I do get to learn new stuff. Jay from Australia, responding to a caller last week, you may remember Frank, who uh, was talking about uh, all the power walls you need to really be truly sustainable. So uh, here is Jay from Australia, who we've heard from before, uh, with a really great thorough explanation about that. So Jay, take it away. Hi Ryan, it's Jay from Canberra, Australia calling. I just want to respond to uh, Frank's call from uh, last week now uh, regarding the uh, charging your your Tesla via a power pack or, or power wall. Uh, this is actually not, um, not, not a sustainable approach. It takes a lot of resources to do this. It's actually not uh, Elon's approach to put houses off the grid if you watch the uh, launch video of the Power Wall again, you'll notice they talk about that the grid is actually the, the most sustainable thing. So we're talking about the, the connected load here, not a, an independent load. So what you don't want is a power pack with one to 200 kilowatt hours in your house, because that's a really uneconomical and an unsustainable approach. So we're talking about aggregation of all that storage in a central location. That's the key sustainable approach here. The second one is it's fundamentally inefficient to use a battery to charge a battery. And JB Strabble talks extensively about this multiple times when asked about using a power pack or power wall to power your vehicle. It's just not a good approach. There's a 10% loss every every time you charge and discharge a battery. So now you're adding two batteries inside of that, you're doubling those inefficiencies. Unfortunately, this view is really, really common. I run into it all the time where people think that Tesla's providing a kind of like an off-the-grid solution, and that's not the approach at all. It's about putting energy into the grid and offsetting that peak usage of the power. The peak power is the really expensive stuff on the grid. And that's what it's trying to minimise that usage. It's not trying to you know, uh, run your cabin in the woods, uh, stand alone when you can still charge your, uh, your vehicle. And lastly, the final thing just to think about is while you might have a 100 kilowatt hour battery in your Model S, most people in most situations aren't using 100 kilowatt hours of energy every day. So the, the concept of needing to store that amount of energy every day in some type of battery is also not very well sound either. It's just a really big uh, sinkhole of money that's just not uh, not going to be really worthwhile for anyone uh, to take. So that's a couple of thoughts there on uh, 
on the, on the rationale. And so it's all very much in line with an, a sustainable approach and also an Elon's approach from that initial launch video. Thanks very much. Keep up with the work. Jay, what can I say? You explained that way better than I did. So thank you so much for calling in, and I hope that makes more sense now for Frank and for others. I know it certainly does for me. So excellent stuff from Jay in Australia. Uh, Next up, Ryan from Denver reacting to Elon Musk's comments uh, that were were sort of puzzling me regarding the 2170 cells and what they are and are not capable of and, and the whole cost reduction focus of them. Ryan, take it away. Hey, Ryan. It's Ryan from Denver. I'd like to react to that quote from Elon saying that the Model 3's battery pack was optimized for cost, not performance. I'd like to speculate on how that may be, considering what factors affect a battery pack's performance. Every lithium-ion battery cell has a safe discharge limit. Discharge the cell too quickly, and it will catch on fire. So, a battery pack's maximum performance is a function of its cell's discharge rate multiplied by the number of cells. This is why Tesla cars with bigger battery packs accelerate more quickly. We know that the 2170 cell is larger than the cells used in the Model S. This means that a Model 3 battery pack will necessarily contain fewer cells than a Model S pack of the same capacity. If the 2170 cell does not improve the discharge limit, and it seems like it doesn't, then a Model 3 will always accelerate more slowly than a Model S. I don't think this is cause for alarm. The Model 3 will be a very fast car, just don't expect to beat Ferraris in drag races. Lastly, an observation about the aero wheels. It looks to me as though they are optimized to turn in one direction only. If so, it would mean that tires could only be rotated from front to back on the same side. And if that is ineffective, the tires would need to be unmounted in order to swap sides. In my mind, this lends credence to the idea that the aerodynamic wheel is just a cover that can be removed, letting the wheels easily swap sides when needed. Anyway, that's all I got. Thanks for all you do. A lot to unpack there. Ryan, thank you for the call. Uh, While we're on the wheels topic, by the way, we did learn this week for sure that the aero wheels are 18-inch wheels. Uh, We had suspected as much Uh, But now we know for sure. It's interesting because those wheels, like the turbines, uh, the 19-inch that that we've been seeing on a lot of the prototypes as well, these aero wheels were also found in a 20-inch variation on the Alpha prototype. In this case, those aero wheels were on the matte black Alpha prototype. Now, I still don't believe that matte black paint is going to make it to production. It, not just not in the efficiency-minded new age of Tesla that's taken over the company since the Model 3 unveiling and since the, you know, the, the pre-orders were so through the roof and it made Elon and Tesla rethink their entire production strategy. I just don't see that matte paint making it to production, but uh, time will tell on that one. Anyway, back to the wheels. A lot of community speculation is now that the aero wheels are going to be the standard wheels. Uh, I, I hope not because they are, I mean, in my, in my opinion and in the minds of a lot of us diehard Tesla fans online. Now, again, that's a, that's a limited sample size. That's where the, that's the, the, the 
hardcore, the diehards, uh, not not necessarily representative of the the wider buying public, but uh, the general consensus from from fellow enthusiasts like myself uh, online is that they are not particularly attractive. Now, I realize fully wheels are super subjective. They're a they're as subjective, if not more so, than paint color. But it's my opinion that putting those wheels on every Model 3 by default kind of nerfs the good looks of what is otherwise just a gorgeous looking car. Uh, now, yeah, if, if, they're, if they're covers, then they're re- removable and that's another thing. But if, if they're all rolling off the lot that way, they're all rolling out of the factory that way, that means a lot of them are going to be on the road looking like that, and that's, that's a little bit of a shame to me. Just, again, it, that's my, my opinion on it. It's totally subjective because it's a wheel, but um, we sh- that's something we should learn in the next four weeks once the uh, delivery event happens. We'll find out what the deal is with the wheel options as far as what's standard what's, uh, and what we're looking at, you know, what other options we have. Next up, our friend Ramey from the Netherlands. He responds to... The comments, uh, you know, I had made comments, and then we heard from J.B. Straubel last week talking about how uh, Tesla is in negotiations to share the supercharger network with other auto manufacturers. So, uh, Ramey has a response to that. I turn it over to you, my friend. Hey, Ryan, this is Ramey, your friend from the Netherlands. I wanted to chime in on the sharing of supercharger network with other car manufacturers. I am on the side of thinking that this is actually good for Tesla owners. If they, if Tesla strikes a deal with one of the other big uh, car companies, uh, they are going to have to pay for using the Tesla superchargers, which means that Tesla can expand their supercharger network even faster than they are right now. And this has two pros. One, more superchargers mean more uh, places for Tesla owners to charge their cars. And secondly... Tesla will have a big competitive advantage in the far future because they already are and will stay the biggest electric vehicle charging network in the world, which means that they're going to make a lot of money over uh, a lot of decades to come. I hope to hear your thoughts on this. I listen to your show every week. Thank you. Bye-bye. So real quick, Ramey, can we please, can you and I trade places for the summer? Would you be up for that? I, I hear the birds chirping in the background of your call, and I'm just I'm picturing this quintessentially sunny, warm European summer day where it doesn't get dark until 10 o'clock. Meanwhile, here in San Francisco this week, the summer is arguably the worst of the four quote-unquote seasons because we don't really have seasons here. It was foggy and awful all day. When I first listened to your call the other day before I recorded uh, tonight, I mean, believe me, there are a lot of great things about San Francisco, believe me, but summers are are not among them. Uh, Anyway, Ramey, you make excellent points about how sharing the supercharger network could actually help Tesla owners. The problem, though, the problem as I see it is that it's a very, very fine line to walk for Tesla. Yes, that revenue from sharing the network would allow for faster growth of the network. The trick is for Tesla to keep up. If they lag behind and 
the Tesla of today, while uh, rapidly growing, is still very much a lean and mean operation overall as a company, then if they fall, if they lag behind, that's only going to cause problems for current Tesla owners. That's only going to be a bad thing for existing Tesla owners, obviously in the short term, but in any term, that's, that's a bad thing. So we'll see what happens whenever the day comes where they do decide to share the network, whether that ends up being later this year or maybe not for another few years. All right, last call this week is from George in upstate New York, giving us a boots-on-the-ground view of the Tesla direct sales situation. I talked about Virginia earlier in the show. Uh, well, there's uh, George reminds us not to forget about New York State as well. There is uh, something on the table there. So I wanted to help spread the word here. George, you're on the air. Hi, Ryan. This is George calling from upstate New York. Um, calling regarding a comment from last week's show as a follow-up, um, you had mentioned that there was several states that uh, are dealing with legis- legislation uh, for opening new uh, you know, sales offices uh, for Tesla, um, but you didn't actually mention New York State. Um, and right now, there's actually a bill uh, going through the uh, assembly um, that would raise the limit, um, which is currently five locations in New York State uh, for Tesla. Uh, and would raise that to 20. Um, and right now, those five locations are really focused around the New York City area, which, you know, for a, a Model 3 reservation holder like me, it's going to make it hard, uh, you know, to get service, to drive, you know, two-plus hours uh, to actually get to a service center. Um, so hoping that uh, that that passes. Um, there's actually a website that Tesla put together. It's... Uh, uh, it's called liftthecapny.com, um, and on that site, uh, they have a petition going uh, and also the ability to uh, send emails uh, to your local legislators, um, uh, you know, asking for that bill to, uh, to be pushed through. Um, so another interesting point about New York State is that we actually have a $2,000 uh, electric vehicle rebate in this state. Um, so for a state that's pushing, you know, to have more EVs on the road, uh, you know, via that rebate, it just seems a little bit counterintuitive to uh, to not also allow those to be sold, um, you know, more readily in the state. Um, so it seems like Tesla's doing all the right things uh, in terms of making their vehicles in the U.S. and trying to, you know, bring more jobs to, uh, you know, to, to the U.S., um, and particularly now New York State, um, and uh, just hoping that, uh you know, this bill will pass and we'll be able to see more uh, Tesla locations uh, in New York. Uh, thanks for the, uh, for the great work on the show. Uh, and uh, that's it. Thanks. George, I am more than happy to pass along that website and that information. We want to see that bill pass. So if you are a New York listener, and again, digging into my analytics, I know I've got a good number of you out there. Please take a look at that website that George mentioned and see how you can help. George, thank you so much for that call. Uh, Be right back right after this with the Tesla Roadster story, as well as the uh, final housekeeping notes. Be right back after this. All right, I want to start by mentioning the Patreon. It is episode 100. If you've uh, been with me for a while, you really enjoy the show All I would ask is that you at least take a look at the Patreon page. Maybe uh, you'll consider some support on there. 
The, the site is patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. Uh, uh, many hours do go into this each week, and I appreciate uh, any consideration you may have on that front. But even if you decide not to support on Patreon, again, I will always be here for you each and every week. Uh, also, new referral code time. Uh, th- I thank Jeff from California who had uh, donated his last time. And I know a number of you, well, five of you were able to, we, we maxed out uh, as far as the, the free unlimited supercharging for life referrals. Got five of those. So that was great to see. Uh, I, I am also, through the, the generosity of Jeff, uh, I am getting the Model S for Kids which was the thing you get with one referral. Uh, so that is going to be that is going to be coming to my daughter from Santa uh, under the Christmas tree this year. I'm going to just stash that away. So that, that, that will be a fun one to see the look on her face when she opens that. I'll be like, oh, hey, hon, you, have, you got a Tesla before Daddy did. Congratulations. But uh, yeah, thanks to everybody that used Jeff from California's code. Let's keep it rolling with a, a new person. Uh, Gordon from Hawaii was kind enough to offer up his code. So uh, I, as of recording, I don't know uh, if there are any changes to the referral program here entering the new quarter. I will update that next week. But for now, we know, assume it's still the $1,000 off. Uh, that's the main thing. Because that's you know Tesla had said that's you know that's going to be running through through the end of the year. So uh, anyway, long story short, if you are purchasing a Model S or Model X, get yourself a thousand dollars off of it using this code. Uh, punch it into your web browser. It's a short link that'll take you to the Design Studio with the thousand dollars off baked in. So you type in ts.la/gordon. 1872. That's uh, G-O-R-D-O-N-1872. Or you can give that number to your uh, sales advisor as well if you're working with someone at a Tesla store. Anyway, uh, the Roadster. I teased it at the top. <laughs> Let me tell you about this thing. So uh, Joe Edgel, who of course has been has been sponsoring the show for the last quarter. This week was the, the last week of that. He rents out an S and an X in the Baltimore, D.C. area. And I hope a few of you have at least taken, taken uh, him up on, on a rental there. So Joe decided to purchase a Roadster so that he would have the entire family of Teslas to rent out. So he mentions this to me and happens to mention that the car he's interested in, he's interested in a car in Walnut Creek, California. And I write back and say, well, Joe, that... That's like 50 minutes from here. If you want me to go look at it for you, you know, I'm not a Roadster owner, but I know Tesla's back to front and I, you know, I can take a look at the car and make sure there's nothing crazy going on with it. And so uh, we, we, we set that up and I went and looked at the car and, well, long story short, Joe ends up purchasing the car and he says, uh, well, I, I need to arrange shipping, but it could take a little while. Is it possible that you could stash it in your garage? I said, well, yeah, put by, uh, sure, why not? I mean, because it, it's, because Joe says, well, you, you can, you can drive the car <laughs> while, while uh, you know, while, while the shipping thing is set up. 
I'm like, well, that sounds like a pretty good deal to me. Some garage space, a secure garage space in, in return for uh, some good time behind the wheel in a Tesla Roadster. So I, I, cause I've had the privilege before of driving a Roadster. In fact, on a number of occasions, it just had weirdly worked out that way. Uh, way back on episode one, I told you about my, my initial first drive with a Tesla, which was with the Roadster because the S wasn't out yet. And I'd had a chance, you know, my wife uh, rented me one for the day for my birthday some years back, uh, again, pre-Model S. So I've spent a good time, a good amount of time behind the wheel of a Roadster. And, and it's, uh, it's just wild living with one now. At least, you know, even though it's temporary. Now, I'm extremely paranoid because it's not mine. So I'm being very careful with it. I mean, not that I wouldn't, I, I would, I'm a person that takes good care of my car. So I, I'd be taking care of it, just as good a care of it, whether it was mine or not, because uh, that's how I am with cars or with other people's property. But it's, uh, it's been interesting to drive it around because there's a, there is a lot about it that actually reminds me of my old DeLorean. I, I hate to keep, I know some of you probably rolling your eyes that, oh, he always brings it back to DeLorean. It's like, well, I mean, that is my other experience with, with a, unique, a unique vehicle in automotive history. But uh, yeah, the Roadster, it is, it is a fun treat if you ever get a chance to drive one because it's, you know, the Model S has actually the, the insane and both insane and ludicrous in any of their variations blow away the Roadster from a zero to 60 perspective at this point. You know, the, the Roadster, the, the original variation was 3.9 seconds to 60. And then there was the Roadster Sport, which was just took two tenths off 3.7 seconds. And of course, uh, you know, a P100D is 2.4 seconds now in a Model S which I have not had the pleasure of, of driving as of yet, but because you're so low to the ground in a Roadster, you are just, you are down there, uh, and you're lighter and you're nimbler than you are in the, you know, 4,600-pound Model S or the 5,500-pound Model X. When you punch it, it goes. You know, that that 3.9 seconds probably feels even quicker, and boy, it's it is a treat, and my, what I love about the Roadster that the S and X don't do is because the S and X, by design, are more refined cars. They're not sports cars per se. They're meant to have a nice ride, a nice quality ride, all that stuff. But the Roadster, when you are on the accelerator, uh, you hear the electric motor Wine, you hear it spin up and spin down when it's uh, you know if you if you if you're putting your foot on it or taking your foot off, and it's a sound that's it's almost like the Millennium Falcon going into hyperspace. Like it's a, I love the sound. It's a really neat sound. It's obviously very unique. There, <laughs> no gas-powered cars make that sound, but uh, yeah, I I have to say I wouldn't I wouldn't want to own a Roadster because I just think. The Tesla has come too far, and no disrespect to Joe by saying that. It's it's a great car to have fun in for a little while. Um, but yeah, it's you it's uh it's a commitment in the sense that, you know, there are not a lot of creature comforts. You do feel the bumps in the road. You know, this is a car that was adapted 
off of the Lotus Elise, which is a track car. But it's just such a unique vehicle. It is fun. It's the go-kart feel. There's no power steering, so you have direct contact with the road. I do highly encourage you. I'm not trying to do an ad here, seriously. Uh, you know, what, if, it, if you're you know if you're within shot of Joe, sure, that's probably a good way to to uh, to get your hands on a on a roadster. But ha- however you you might be able to get the opportunity, whether you own an S or an X already, or whether you've ever driven a Tesla or not, just in a vacuum on its own, the roadster is a very unique experience that I would I would recommend to anybody who's a fan of Tesla that's obviously listening to this show. So uh, I thank Joe for trusting me with his, you know, his, his big new purchase here. And Joe, I, of course, I, I, you know, I'm, I take care of stuff. I, uh, it is safe and secure in the garage. It is, uh, it's unfortunate though, the Roadster by default does not have, is not compatible with uh, a NEMA 1450 outlet, which is what I do have already installed in the garage. So I've been having to use just a regular old 110 outlet, but at least I haven't been driving it too much every day. So by the time I wake up in the morning, it's fully charged. If you own a Roadster, you're going to need to come up with a, you know, a higher capacity charging solution. But in any case, uh, it's been, it's been neat having a, being sort of a, a, um, like a foster, like I'm like a foster parent <laughs> to the Tesla Roadster. I, I I love it like my own child, and until it's ready to go to its its new forever home. But uh, so there's there's the fun Tesla Roadster story for episode 100. All right, uh, before I get out of here, I want to thank the Patreon producers. These are the kind folks who are supporting my efforts here at the twenty dollar per month level or higher. Uh, those kind folks. You know them well by now, uh, although we've been able to add, a, you know, usually add one on a fairly regular basis. It is Jeff Bartram. It's Paul Hussey and DJ Harbaugh, Pete White, Wolfgang Obergen, George Cassioppo, ZL Klein, David Brander, Jonathan Wales, John Waltower, Scott Gillis, Michael Lucas. By the way, uh, DJ Harbaugh, congratulations on your Model S purchase. He, uh, he went ahead... He did what Tesla wanted him to do, what what wanted all of us to do, which was to purchase. He bought a CPO Model S, beautiful car. He sent me a picture. I'm so happy for him. I think that's fantastic. So good for you, DJ. I think that's great. Uh, welcome to the Tesla family. I mean, I guess I can't say that. I don't have one. <laughs> I don't have one yet. But uh, anyway, uh, John Waltower, Scott Gillis, Michael Lucas, Alexi Heft. Lisa Kaz, Michael O'Prey, Logan Willis, Matthew Parra, Michael Lester, John E. Ford, Robert Maracle, Kyle Stover, Vince Vaughn, John Lasher, David Vakil, Harold Plug, Jason Chalukas, and Charlie Payne. Thank you all so, so much for, uh, for supporting me on Patreon. Uh, finally, Abstract Ocean continues to run their 20% off discount for listeners of this show. Uh, Be sure to check out their website. They've got some new stuff up there. Plenty of accessories for you or your Tesla or both. So visit abstractocean.com. Put anything you want to buy into your shopping cart. And then at checkout, use the coupon code RTLPODCAST, all one word, and get yourself 20% off of your order. Follow me on Twitter at DMC underscore Ryan. You can email me, teslapodcast at gmail.com. 
If you are not already subscribing to the podcast, please do so at iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, which by the way, again, TuneIn, you can also, that's in the Tesla, you can listen to this car, you can find it on TuneIn in the Tesla, uh, or pick up individual MP3 downloads or the RSS feed, teslapodcast.libsyn.com. I want to say happy electric motoring to all of you. Uh, May we all, by the time episode 200 rolls around, I hope everybody listening to this podcast that wants to own a Tesla owns one. So episode 200 would be in about two years from now. So hopefully in two years from now, everybody listening to this podcast has their Model 3, no matter where they are on the waiting list. Uh, Happy electric motoring to us all and to us all. A good night. Sorry, that was that was super lame. <laughs> uh, anyway, have a great week, everybody, and I will be back at the usual time next week.